0: or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning everybody. It's great to see everybody today. We have a fun treat, and that is the Josh and Troy Hubbard are in the house. You guys wanna stand? Let's give them a big hand. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. There it is. Yeah, come on, stand, stand, stand. Hey oh, welcome. We love Josh and Tori, Uh, they are the founding fathers and mothers of the house, even though they were like 20 years old, (laughs) and uh, moved to Alabama, but sure love you guys. Hey, uh, a few things if you're uh, new, brand new around here. My name's David, and we're so honored that you're with us. Um, A couple things. One, we have on October 15th, we have a Dream Team party that's coming up. It's our fall Dream Team party. And uh, so I want to encourage you guys to jump all in and be at that. If you're on the Dream Team, if you're not on the Dream Team, go through DNA real, real fast, and your first day can be a party. And uh, uh, jump in. Actually, one of the things that we do at our spring banquet is honor uh, the Dream Teamer of the Year. And we love that, but Renata and I have felt like the calling on our family was to, uh, to be all in. And so in the fall Dream Team Party, we're going to have a family of the year, everybody. And so anyway, um, but you got to be present to win. So you better, better go. So you know what I'm saying? All right. Um, but anyway, that's going to be great. Also, just want to give you... Um, Just a quick, uh, just a thank you for your excitement about uh, the new building. And um, we are uh, getting closer uh, than we were every day. We're getting a little bit closer. And so um, I'm just praising God, feeling like uh, the Lord's doing some amazing things. I wanna continue to encourage you to pray. Um, So many of you have jumped online and gone, and we're doing drive-in prayer, which is basically where we're inviting you to just take your car, go into the parking lot, and pray, even if it's for five minutes. Um, and so uh, that's why there's so many mysterious cars just sitting in there all the time because uh, <laughs> it's prayer cars. And so anyway, just think of 1950s drive-in movies only we're drive-in prayer 2022. So um, that, I, I just want to encourage you to do that and you can go to our website and then if you'll go down to that second panel and just click it and then there's a place where it'll lead you to an Excel spreadsheet where it just tells that everybody that's praying and we're just trying to cover that every day with drive. In prayer, and so thanks to many of you that have jumped in uh, and have done that. Also, um, I just want to—I just want to see how you enjoyed Andy Bird last week. Andy Bird last week—that's really good. Yeah, okay, great. I just—I love Andy. I love Andy. Uh, in addition to missions mobilization, which is really the core of our partnership, I love who he is. Uh, I mean, I, I know his his. Yeah, there we go. Come on, and uh, so just love him and his family and. Uh, Just so grateful. He's, He's a man of prayer. He's really a man of holiness and a culture that seems like that is not high value. And so I love the way he's bold and takes a stand. Anyway, sorry, that sounds like a little too much, but uh, I just, I really love Andy and love that he's so connected to us. And I loved the way you greeted him. He sent me this long text about how much he felt loved by our church. And so thank you for that. One last announcement, and that is um, in the middle of kind of this uh, Hurricane Ian uh, disaster, um, we're going to be sending, your sending. So uh, we all can't go to Florida and Help out, but um, your dollars are going there already. So thank you for being a part of um, Giving It Radiant. But in addition to that, we're going to give to Convoy of Hope to help do disaster relief. But there's also some very close friends of Renata and I, and they pastor in Fort Myers. Uh, actually, they brought their uh, teenagers to Desperation Conference in 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. And so, actually, Justice, my, my youngest son, and I were just there um, just about a year and a half ago. Uh, and, and, there, and, we're, and, and so specifically, I want us just as a church to embrace them and give to them. Um, they sent me this text yesterday. I just thought I'd read you a text. Uh, I'll, I'll read the Bible text in a minute, but I'm gonna read this text for just a second. It says this, hello David and Renata, thank you so much for reaching out, it means so much. Uh, this is certainly an overwhelming and devastating time for our entire community. I've lived here my whole life and never seen anything quite this disastrous in our community. But we are trusting the Lord will redeem it and that we will be able to be a light. I wish she would have wrote a radiant light in our community (laughs) for such a time as this. So you can tell she's a Bible teacher. Um, We will be gathering with people tomorrow at our church to try to organize some relief efforts uh, for the weeks ahead. They are saying we will probably be without power for the next four to seven weeks. The hardest part is no power and no water. Uh, But we do have convoy. Uh, Convoy of Hope and some others that are based out of the church so we, uh, to start feeding hundreds of people each day and giving them chainsaws and supplies like gas and generators. Your prayers and support in any way are greatly appreciated. Uh, just you reaching out and knowing you're praying for us is certainly enough. Blessings to you. And tell Renata she's much better looking than you deserve. And so, oh wait, no, that last sentence wasn't in there. Um, just, I supposed suppose you're paying attention. So, uh, but anyway, so... Anyway, uh, so we're going to give two checks. We're going to give to Convoy uh, of Hope, uh, which is uh, doing disaster relief. But then we also just, as Radiant Church, want to just bless Convoy of Hope. or want to bless, um, uh, sorry, their church in addition to Convoy, just as their church walks through this challenging time. So uh, there's a link uh, on the giving, uh, on the webpage. And if you want to give towards Hurricane Ian, we're going to take that and give two checks in those two places, serving specifically the church body, as well as the disaster relief that will help the people without water and power. So that's where those two things are going to go. All right, okay. If you have your Bibles, let's go Matthew chapter five. And here's kind of the vision here. Hey, um, Nathan, can you throw me that book? Can you throw me one of those books real quick? Do we have any? We've got no books. Rachel, hey Nathan, bro, bro, you can't get it to me, but Rachel did. I just, bro, she's amazing. Okay, so um, we're beginning this series. Uh, I just love Nathan Dorinsky. Come on, everybody, Nathan Dorinsky. I'm telling you. He's been living in the gym. So if you saw Saturday Night Live with Hans and Franz, this is now Nathan. He's here to pump you up. And so, just kidding. Um, Wow, are these your notes? This Rachel's or Nathan's? Rachel. These are amazing notes. I'm going to use some of these to preach with. Um, Okay, so anyway, in here, um, over the next nine weeks, um, we're going to continue in this teaching series on the Beatitudes, and, and here's the big vision, uh, to be counterculture in the middle of this season, where these ideas that Jesus brings are so hard to live, and so needed today in our culture. And so we're going to go into this, uh, this, really, all the way through the first Sunday of December, And um, one of the components that we put in here that is big to me is um, we put in here a place for you to turn the text and pray it. So we not just talk about the beatitude on a Sunday, but I want to invite you all week long to pray it and ask the Lord to do it inside of you so that we're taking the monologue that you hear from the speaker, um, and then you turn it into dialogue with God. And so, um, we use this acronym SOAP. And so it's, it's scripture, it's observation, it's, um, application and prayer where you can, where you can dialogue to the Lord in it. So anyway, pick one of these up. Uh, and so these are free. And if you'll just bring these with you every single week, that would be awesome. And, um, Okay, so uh, that's where we're going. So Matthew chapter five, uh, let's read it and then I'll pray and we'll go after it. It says this, Matthew five, verse one. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. In those days, the rabbi would sit and the people would stand. So today we're gonna do that for the next 45 minutes. Would you all? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just kidding. The rabbi would sit though, but I'm not going to. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're going after today. Jesus, we love you. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be a people that are poor in spirit. We pray that we would be marked by humility. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to see Jesus make much of him and less of us. We honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. A few months ago, uh, Pastor Kenny, who's here on the front row, our youth pastor, me and David Zhang, who's back there and running production, um, we were on a road trip and we uh, missed our turn off on the freeway. And so we went a back way and got stuck on a country road behind a a horse and buggy. And so uh, our, uh, you know how it is. It's recalculating how, what time you're going to get there because you're behind a horse and buggy and it's going so slow that your, your time of arrival is getting later and later and later and later. hard to be patient in a moment like that where you're stuck behind this horse and buggy. And, and here is uh, people like us who have said, electricity, we're going to roll with it. And, um, and so we do airplanes and we do cars and we do Keurigs and we do Amazon Prime, and we do iPhones, and so we have, we have a way of living, uh, kind of in the technological age or even electricity, and there's a whole nother group of people that the, their, their whole way of living is fundamentally different because they haven't embraced that. When we look at Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, this is not an add-on to your current viewpoint. This is a whole new way of living. This is a whole different way of looking at what it means to be a person. The, the, the way that Jesus transforms your life, it impacts everything. And so Jesus invites us into a whole new way of thinking, into a whole new way of living. And when we look at this first one, the poor in spirit, the first beatitude, it is the idea of humility. So C.S. Lewis, he says it humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less it's less of the time i'm i'm thinking about me it's not it's it's it's, it's not that i think poorly of me it's just my mind is not consumed with me my mind is is com- consumed with other things it's something bigger it's christ and the very first beatitude blessed are the poor in spirit is the idea of it's humility And really, it's the gateway to the rest of them. And the reward is present rather than futuristic. So when you look at the rest of them, it's all futuristic. If you look at these next six, for they will be comforted, for they will inherit the earth, for they will be filled, for they will be shown mercy, for they will see God, for they will be called children of God. But if you look at this first one, it's present. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right here, right now, available to us is the kingdom of God. We can live with Jesus as king of our lives right now. And step one, this first phase is really, it's this surrender. It's this poor in spirit. It's poverty in spirit. It's humility that says, Jesus, you're all, I'm not thinking often about self and little about God. I'm thinking much about God, little about self. High view of Jesus. I have, I have, have, it doesn't change my identity. I have a high view of my identity in God, but my life is not consumed with me. My life is consumed with him. NIV uses the word poor in spirit. The new living says um, that we are, blessed are those who are poor and realize their need for him. That's the new living. Poor, blessed are the poor and realize their need for him. That's hard to do in 21st century. Many people actually are not followers of Jesus because they haven't embraced this because they haven't recognized their need for God so the person who, who has the big crisis and suddenly recognized their great need for God is happy or blessed or lucky that that word for blessed is makarios and you could tra- you could translate it blessed or happy or lucky so in the world of American culture, we would look at someone that might have a crisis that recognizes their weakness that might turn to God. And in American culture, see somebody that's having a bad day and goes, oh, unlucky, unhappy. But to the person that knows that that crisis could be the moment where someone turns to Jesus and begins a journey of having Christ be Lord of all, we would go, they are lucky, happy, blessed. There's someone that's beginning that journey. Another way, another new century verse. It says just spiritual poverty. Eugene Peterson in the message says it this way. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. That's not American. You're blessed when you're to the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God. There's room for more of God in his rule. Amazing. So Jesus is saying, as you begin, as you're starting off, it begins with, this humility, this poverty of spirit. Blessed are those who recognize they're not the bomb. Blessed are those who realize it's not all about them. Blessed are those who realize it's, it's, and that is hard in a culture that, I don't know if the world of reels, if reels were to have attitudes, it would not be the beatitudes. If reels were to have attitudes, it would be more like happy are those on top, those with power, those with wealth, those that look good, it is not the meek. It is not. And so it is challenging for people that spend more time on social media than in the word to get really what the Bible is saying, what Jesus says about it's happy, it's lucky, it's wonderful, it's delightful, it's good for those who have developed this whole new way of living. And I would say that this idea of humility, blessed are the poor in spirit, spiritual poverty, I would say that this is the gateway to the others. Meaning I think it's the first one. And I think if you look at these beatitudes, I think if you look at these eight different characteristics and there's, there's eight different beatitudes, but we're going to spend nine weeks on it because I want to spend two weeks on persecution, just so you understand persecution, right? So mm, welcome to church, everybody. Yeah. What are you talking about your church today? Persecution. Didn't you talk about that last week? Yes, we did. All right. (laughs) But (laughs) But if you look at these eight beatitudes, these are, um, they're not characteristics of eight different kinds of people. And that's kind of the way that our brains think. Because we kind of think the Enneagram. Are you Enneagram? One, two, three, four. And so maybe you're the meek or maybe you're the peacemaker. or No, no, no. But this is eight attributes of a disciple. This is eight characteristics of a disciple. So as you follow Jesus, you could look down and you could look at these beatitudes and you could say how am I doing? Am I pure in heart? Am I meek? Am I walking with as poor in spirit or poverty in spirit, humility, not thinking less of myself. I just think about myself less. I've got, I've got Jesus, his cause, people, the lost, the hurting. That's what's on my brain instead of perpetual self-love. I was, uh, Chris Ward, he helps us with serve day and outreach stuff. He got a bunch of us into a 66 day challenge where we're all trying to drink water a lot and work out a lot. And Nathan's doing really well. But, um, but one of the things that we're all trying to do is to, is to take 10,000 steps a day, all right? And so um, that causes me to constantly be looking at the health app on my iPhone to check all day long how am I doing? How am I doing? And most of the time, it's about 8 p.m. at night, and I look down, and I've got 9,000 steps to go, right? Like, <laughs> like, just getting started. My kids make jokes about... Suddenly, we're getting a, they're getting a lot of late-night walks. Who wants to go on a walk with Dad? Gone forever, right? <clears throat> but the, uh, but, but, but it's, it's a moment where I look down, and I go, 2,000? Okay, 3,000? See how I'm doing? Well, if you want to know how you're doing as a, a disciple... Don't identify one of these and say, that's them, that's that person, that's that person, that's their gift. Oh, like I'm tempted to do this. I'm tempted to go skip blessed are the merciful because I'm married to Renata. I don't need mercy. (laughs) She's the other half and she has more mercy than anybody, right? And just identify. So, but no, what I have to do is I go through and go, how am I doing at being a disciple? this This is just like looking at those steps. Are we getting there? And so... I wanna invite us to take this first one and just in week one, look at it as present tense, not futuristic, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So right here, right now, I'm starting. I wanna walk in humility, the poor in spirit, poverty in spirit, I won't make much of Jesus. It's not about me, it's about him. And this is the all access pass to the Christian life. Like if you can start Jesus I surrender my life to you. Then I make this public declaration of humble dependence on Christ for the rest of my life called baptism. I belong to you. I I I am I'm going to publicly declare to the whole world that Jesus is the king of my life. I'm in his kingdom. Kingdom the domain of which he is king. I'm a part of his kingdom. Then this humility, because it's, it's the access point because you get that. And then the rest of these are possible to like rooms. It's possible to enter. But if you think much of self, if you say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus and you're filled with pride, well, you got to know God opposes the proud. It's hard enough to live in Kansas city, let alone to have like, like have a God opposing you. Right. Trying to live in Kansas City as a follower of Jesus with all the abundance that we have here is a challenge. When you have God trying to humble you, oh, it's rough. So, where you want to live is no, I'm going to voluntarily choose Jesus. I fall on the rock. You know, that's what I said fall on the rock or the rock fall on you. I'm going to fall on the rock. I'm going, to, I'm going to be humbled before God. I'm going to seek you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those poverty in spirit who are at the end of their rope. So sometimes people need greater difficult circumstance, and the Lord will say, all right, let's go through a little difficulty here till you get to the end of your rope. But that moment that you finally go, I surrender. I'm done. It's you, that humility, that Christ is all. I must become less. He must become greater. I'm trying to go less about all of my things and more about Christ then it's the all access pass to a whole lot of blessing in the kingdom. And the rest of this next eight weeks is blessing, 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 blessing. But I want to invite you to get this one. I want to invite you to, to, to recognize what's available to you. When, um, when I lived in Colorado Springs, uh, my, my Renata and I started a conference in 2002 and we'd invite churches to come and we'd have teenagers that would come. and um, Then we had little kids starting, to, DOS was born in 2004, 2006 was lived, 2007 was ads, 2010 was justice. And so we had these little kids that uh, would be a part of the conference. And so um, most of the time when it came to some of the benefits that they received at the conference, they didn't receive the other, the other 362 days a year. Here's what I mean. During most of the year, when we would go uh, out to eat, our kids would split kids' meals. Now, it's one thing to get a kids' meal. It's another thing to split a kids' meal. So we buy two kids' meals, y'all split that, right? And then we choose the restaurants that have the free bread, Um, (laughs) helps us get out of there. And everybody drinks some water, right? (laughs) And then when it comes to clothes, here's how this is going to go down. We're going to get hand-me-downs and then not just the first so if you're the if you're the younger daughter or the younger son, then you get not just the older kids' hand-me-downs cuz they got it from somebody else. So it's the hand-me-down hand-me-downs, right? And so and so now, there might be a little some other clothes, but for the most part that's a lot of how you roll, right? And then and then most of the time it's it's mostly just, you know, it's the, the stage isn't really much a part of our life, but during conference we would give them all-access passes to Desperation Conference, and you had little tiny children that walked around with these access, all-access passes, and suddenly old people, 16 years old, didn't have access to the green room, but they did. I mean, old people, 17, couldn't go backstage, but they could. 18-year-olds, I mean, people that our little kids looked at like they were ancient, Couldn't get free stuff at the bookstore, but our kids, give me another merch. You know, like my kids lived on church merch. Their whole wardrobe was church merch and hand-me-downs, right? So for three days, though, that all-access pass, that got them all the free water mints and candy you could handle. Right? For three days, that got them free t shirts. For three days, that got them at the end of the conference, they'd go up on stage. We'd bring them up on the very last song and they'd dance, little tiny kids. And, they're, and so it's like all these thousands of teenagers, and there's little kids up there, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, and they're going for it. <laughs> Why? They had all access uh, pass to get on stage, go to the green room. They could do anything for those three days, right? Here's what I want to encourage you with this humility idea, when it comes to being blessed by God. It's like getting you into the room of so many blessings in the kingdom. And there's many things that many of us don't ever experience because we have so much pride and God's going, no, I'm working against that in your life because you just steal too much pride. But if you'll lock in with this poverty of spirit, this blessed are the poor in spirit for there's the kingdom of heaven. If you'll lock in with that, that's, that's, that's the first one that gives you access to so many other blessings. There's a the blessing of God available to each one of us. And Jesus, talks about it in a parable that I wanted to read because this parable is so clear. It's so graphic. It says this, Luke 18, nine, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like the, this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a 10th of all I've got. Feel it? Righteous pride. But the tax collector, who would have been the lowest of the low? Who would have been the one that people would have seen as low because he had already betrayed his people for the sake of wealth? But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other who did the stuff, I added that phrase, who did the stuff, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Challenging to live with humility. Many times the Lord will give you a great moment that seems like your hardest moment. You could be in it right now. And you think that it's the moment where your life is in devastation. You think it's a moment that's so difficult that you'll never overcome, but it could be the moment where you humble yourself instead of exalting yourself and find life in Christ and find humility and find that to be the gateway into the blessing of God. One of the most famous songs that we sing is Amazing Grace. It was written by John Newton. John Newton was born in 1725 in England, and he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He joined the Royal Navy. Um, And then in in 1748, after he was no longer worked in the Navy, but still continued to work with ships, ocean, he got involved in the slave trade. He had a shipwreck in the middle of the shipwreck where he thought he was going to die. Where he thought, surely he's a dead man. Cries out to God. Miraculously, the ship doesn't go down. And he becomes a follower of Jesus and later on pens the hymn, amazing grace and writes a lyric that we've all sung amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me idea of a wretch. I looked it up. Here's the definition of a wretch, a miserable person who is profoundly unhappy or in great misfortune, a wretch. I mean, I just never refer to myself that way, a wretch. And I found it ironic that here we're talking about happy are the poor in spirit. And I just wanna kind of have fun today and say, happy are those that realize grace saved a wretch like me. I'm Unhappy, living for me, living for self trying to find all the pleasures of the planet to engage in, the pride in the planet. But as he pens this song, he says, it saved a wretch like me, and it's tempting for us to be like the man in the parable. I do this, I do that, I'm this. Oh, and God, thank you for salvation. But far better to say amazing grace, how sweet the sound, who in light of how awesome you are and what you did, and you saved me, you saved a wretch. Like me. Imagine if we saw so much of the grandeur and the greatness of Jesus that all that we do is like rags. That all that we do is just ashes. All of our righteous pride decreases in the light of his greatness. And we become blessed, happy, lucky. It's the Greek word, Makarios, it's ha. It is well. <laughs> Good fortune. Good fortune. Happy. Lucky. I mean, I'm, and I was just wondering if you were to even sing that song, if I would just naturally sing that saved a wretch like me. Easy for us to go that saved, uh, you fill in the blank. Saved a, I don't know, pretty decent guy, college education, what's up? Saved, I don't know, kind of good looking. I don't know. Saved, I mean, I wasn't too bad. Versus. Ashes to beauty, salvation, Christ alone, so that there's a high view of Jesus instead of a pretty okay view of me. Timothy Killer says, most of us don't have, we're not poor in spirit, we're middle class in spirit. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't wanna actually say, I'm a wretch. But blessed are the poor in spirit. So pop quiz. Are you depending on God or are you depending on yourself? Are you walking in humility and saying, God, I want all that you have? Or are you leaning mostly on self? Are you reading God's word so that you can depend on God's wisdom? Are you praying so that you can depend on God's power? Are you genuinely giving of your resources so you can depend on God's provision? Are you spending your time making disciples and serving so that you can depend on God's strength for your time? Most of us hoard those things so that we can live on our own strength and not his. But number one, here's a practical step to grow in becoming humble or poor in spirit. Depend on God's word, depend on God's wisdom through God's word. Spend time with much with God, reading his word. Proverbs three, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. When you read God's word, it's ultimately saying, God, I trust you more than Google. God, I trust you more than my gut. We often say, I'm going to go with my gut. I'll figure it out with the internet. Figure it out where you know what's in God's heart because you've studied God's word. Where you're able to take steps through your day because you've got the narratives of scripture. You've got the prophetic statements. You've got Jesus' words You've you've got the Bible inside of you, so you're reading it. Download it, U version. Dwell. Get an app. One year Bible. You can get the paper Bibles that are one year Bibles. We've got every kind of translation. I mean, but go Audible. Listen to it as you drive. But don't don't leave out God's Word out of your life. When you leave out God's Word, it's a statement of saying I'm going to depend. You have so many information sources. Imagine. Imagine the privileges to have God's word and to to shut out, to to, 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 to not have God's word in our life, but we have so many other things. It's actually a pop quiz that if we're doing that, it's actually a statement of pride. It's actually a statement. I'll figure this one out. I got this. Depend on God's power through prayer. Ian Bounds said, prayer is the expression of the soul's dependence on God. It's, I need you. I'm dependent on you. I need you, God. And when you get into the presence of God, what happens is you become dependent on his power, where instead of just using your own strength to accomplish goals, your own strength to get what you want in life, your own agenda, you actually say, no, I need God's power and I get addicted to where I enjoy and want God's power. Isaiah 6, he says this, Getting to the presence of God, it's called a theophany. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips and my eyes have seen. I'm ruined. Woe is me, and I'm different. You get to where you see the power of God as you, as you have a life of prayer. You actually start to get addicted to that and you're ruined for just, oh yeah, I'm gonna have an app fix every problem in my life. Now I need the power of God in my life and I enjoy it, I love it, I can't live without it. I'm in a season right now where this is so enjoyable for me because there's been a bit of a drought, but man, the last few years I I, I saw my, my son's friend be healed, saw my dad be healed, seen people in our church be healed. I've seen God miraculously work in our church. And right now, some of the enthusiasm for all the man's ways to make my life go well, I'm ruined. I'm I'm different. The the prayer component, it's changed me. The other things just, there's, this is a silly illustration, but I'm gonna give it. Uh, I told you that we would make our kids split kids' meals. Well, a number of years ago, a family, kind hearted, being generous, took our daughters for the day. And our daughters went and had lunch with this family at a restaurant. The problem was, is that they ate like they've never eaten before. And so that family said, my daughters ordered waters and they said, no, you can have drinks. And my daughters went, oh, what? And then they ordered appetizers. My daughters were like, apple, what? And then my daughters went to split off the kids' meal and they said, you can have your own meals. Huh? You can have adult meals. Yes. And then my daughters got adult desserts. Not like, anyway, I don't know what that means. Forget the word adult desserts. Off the main menu. (laughs) That got awkward. Like, wow, what kind of desserts do they have? And so then, don't write that down. That wasn't in the first service. So then when it came back to going out with Renata and I to have bread, water, and split a kid's meal, they were like, yo, we have found a better way. (laughs) I'm just telling you, many of you skip prayer because you think that that extra hour in tasks or that extra hour getting ahead at work or that extra hour of something and you'll forego the prayer piece of your life. And I'm just telling you, 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 you all it takes is just a few moments where the whole world says, this is impossible, but God, you're done. A few moments where there's, you see a life transformed where there's revelation in the word and you just, it's possible to still be ruined. It's possible to still be at a place where the power of God comes alive. And every time that you choose time to invest in prayer, it is a statement of humility and dependence on God. Every time you choose God's provision instead of your own, God's, and you choose generosity, it's making that statement. Philippians four, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ. Oh yeah, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give like what I see in Jesus. I'm gonna give like I, I, I want my all all of my finances, everything belongs to you. So i want to give extravagantly. I wanna depend on God's strength through serving. So I'm gonna take the Great Commission seriously. The whole idea of making disciples. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna pass that one up. Whole idea of serving. Jesus looked and said, even if you give someone a cup of cold water, it will be returned 100 times. Oh yeah, serving, giving. And every time that you give of your finance, every time that you give of your, your energy, to make disciples, or to serve somebody. It's a statement of humility and dependence and saying I'm gonna lean into God's strength instead of my own. And I think that we get to a place, and I just wanna check our hearts because I think, I think it's easy to have an idea of a moment. I'm surrendered to Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. And, but, but then we live for years and years and years. And I think it's easy for us to either drift towards humility because we're walking with Christ or drift towards pride because we're putting ourselves first. And sometimes you need just a pop quiz, a wake up call to find out which one's going on in your heart. I remember, uh, going to coffee with a guy that his whole social media was filled up with like verses and his past history is like a, like a, like a family guy. Like I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus type guy. Not, I mean, you know, not like, not like aggressive, the annoying aggressive, but it was just, that was, that was his whole demeanor. And, um, I I sat a coffee with him and and the more that we talked, he just talked about self. And, And then I sat there and asked questions and he's just talking about his money and his goals and himself. And I mean, it's just, it's just oozing. It's just oozing a lot of pride, you know, and I'm just listening and Asking questions, and and then I'm putting on my my pastor hat, and I'm I'm getting pretty clear with him, and then he responds aggressively towards me, and and says, "Well, I don't really care what you say," and and I'm realizing what's more and more inside of him, and and then you know that's in seed form over coffee with the pastor, but then about it years later. I mean, his life, he chose a life of unprecedented selfishness that actually led to disaster. But in the moment where he's initiating coffee with the pastor, he probably has this, this view like he's doing, he's just, he's, he's all right. He's doing good. But I think it's easy for us to think we're good and we don't even know if blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs, is the king. if we're walking in kingdom ways or if we're walking in, frankly, selfish ways. I think it's easy for us to drift towards pride. I think it's possible to move towards humility. I love Hudson Taylor. And um, when I was in my 20s, I used to have this um, quote up in the young adult meeting that I led by Hudson Taylor. It says, the sun has never risen on China without finding me in prayer. I loved it cuz it sounded zealous. You know, and so Hudson Taylor. But listen to old Hudson Taylor not long before he passed away when his body no longer worked. Here's his quote as an old man. I am so weak. I can no longer work. I am so weak. I can no longer study. I am so weak. I can no longer read my Bible. I cannot even pray. I can only lie still in the arms of God like a little child. And trust. So as he got older, he didn't go the way of pride. He got older and older and went the way of humility, went the way of all the way to the end where he had no strength left, where he was just saying, I trust. I was uh, last week in Denver and we were, cel- R- not, and I, and our family went to go celebrate Dick Eastman. He's just finished 35 years as president of Every Home for Christ, 45 years of serving Every Home for Christ, which is a missions organization. And now he's stepping into a new role at 79 of leading prayer instead of living on an airplane. And, uh, and as he talked about Jesus, and as he's, he's now spent an hour alone with God every day um, for 45 years and shared the gospel all over the world. And, and I, th- I just looked at him and he's just radiating. He's just radiant. He's just filled with the life of God at 79. And, and it's this humility. It's, it embodies, I believe, that happy. And I just thought about him because he's happy. He sings. He, he walks around like this. He's, he's got little, I mean, he's got little, he's, he's got a Bible that's all marked up. And he's got little like rubber bands where he's like marking things up in highlighters. And he sings when he talks. Yeah, and he's got... I think many of us, um, we could go there, but we're slowly drifting this way. And I think, I think we live in a, in a culture where the reels are so telling us: happy are the good looking, happy are the strong, happy are the other, when you put other people underneath you, happy, lucky are these people. And it's very contrary to the ways of Jesus. And I think if we would take some of these steps—the Word of God, prayer, giving, making disciples, serving—if we'll take steps of faith, this is this is—it's a way to take to get closer and closer and closer to just saying, "God, I'm gonna make I, I'm gonna make room. I'm I, I want God in my life." I'll just close with this: I when I look at David. In the Bible, 1 Samuel 13, 14, God has sought for a man after his own heart. I think about David, and early on, David was the definition of God looking at the interior and seeing a man after his own heart. In fact, even when Samuel comes, he says that, don't don't you have another son? Where's another one? Oh, he's out with the sheep. Oh, well, God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so that whole context of that story is this strong statement about the positive status of David's heart with God. And man, that's an awesome place to start. I think that's where we start. We go, yeah, I'm new, I'm redeemed, I'm saved, I was baptized. And a decade goes by And it's easy to think I'm in a good place. I just think that when we fill our hearts and our minds, and we live with self at the center, so we've made a public declaration with Jesus being the center. But I've lived day after day after day after day after day after day with me at the center, and I think, kind of like David, we could slide, and we got a public persona, and even in our own minds. I talk it, you talk it. We talk the talk. We've got the Jesus outer shell. But if you could rip it open and look in the heart, there was a moment where that same man had another prophet show up, Nathan, and look at him in the middle of his adultery With Bathsheba, murder of Uriah, and say, Thou art the man. And David wasn't even self-aware enough to realize that the story that Nathan was telling was actually about him. I think many of us, man, you just need a, a someone to show up and say, What's in your heart? You might not be this far, but you could be sliding. I think if you just had someone just look at you and go, what's, what's the real condition? When you look at what you talk about, where do you get your information? Are you living in God's word? Do you love it? Do you dialogue with God? Do you love it? Is it your joy to be a cheerful giver and be generous? Do you love it? Is it your privilege to serve, to make disciples? Or are you trying to check some boxes, middle class in spirit? Prove to God I'm all right. I still got some of my own agendas. I'm kind of proud of what I did in the past. You know, I gave 20 years ago. You know, I used to be a man of prayer. Well, you know, I'm doing a lot. Or could you just look? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the meek. Where we want to go in these nine weeks, we to get to where? All the way when you get to the end where they've built on each other, where it's actually your faith is so countercultural. The end, Jesus going, looking at very disciples that would be persecuted. Blessed are you when people persecute you. That's where it ends. Suffering, people losing their life for the gospel. Starts with this place of humility. Lucky, blessed, happy. Are the ones who've come to the end of their rope. End of me. Poor in spirit, poverty in spirit. Blessed, lucky, because there's more room for God. you bow your heads with me? Would you ask the Holy Spirit if you're sliding towards humility or if you've been sliding towards pride? Are you taking ground towards humility where you're slowly being transformed into the image of Christ and your life overflows with cheerful giving, delightful prayer study, delighting. I meditate on it day and night. I love the word of God. I want to sacrificially lay my life down to serve the poor, the hurting, the orphan, the widow. I want to be a proclaimer of the gospel to the unreached. Or if you're honest, are you sliding towards pride? It's my body, my bank, it's my fame, my life, my hobbies, my future, my favorite this, my favorite that, my favorite place to go, my, oh, death. But happy. poverty and spirit happier than me. They put others first. They love the Word of God. They just want to be a radiant light in the short little time they have on planet Earth. Declare the gospel. Be faithful. And they might be even like, Hudson Taylor. The end of their days, no strength for spiritual disciplines anymore, but still the mental cognitive ability to lay here and trust in God. Would you just ask the Holy Spirit one thing to do in your life today? Now you ask the Holy Spirit to give you one action item, one spiritual step for you. What's He invite? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? And now will you give the Holy Spirit your yes, yes, yes? I'll take that step. Yes, I will obey. Some of you, your step is to start. <laughs> Following Jesus, you've been living for your life for Jesus. You've been living for yourself your whole life, and now you want to live for Jesus. Your, your steps just to begin with this place of giving your life to Christ. In this room, in this place, online, or here, you could just begin by saying this: "Jesus, have your way in me." Save me. I repent. I don't wanna go my way, I go yours. Make me a new person. I gave you my life. <laughs> Maybe you're a longtime follower of Jesus and you might not have murdered Uriah or committed adultery with Bathsheba, but you know the heart motives inside of you are so filled with self. There's a moment where David responds in Psalm 51. His response after Nathan confronts him is "Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew it right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence, oh God. Maybe today, your response to that person who said yes years ago, but you've got pride on the inside. You too can have a fresh start. You too can have Jesus. Wipe it clean and have a fresh start. His mercy is new every morning. Your prayer is David's prayer. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. Wash away the pride. Father, we love you today. We give you everything in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen? Amen. Let's to stand together. I want to invite the prayer team to come forward. and um, We're going to take a moment give of our tithes and offerings. If you'd like prayer, we'd love to take a moment and pray for you. Let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and offerings. Jesus, we love you so much. We love your house. We love your people. So I'm going to interrupt my own prayer here for a moment. So last Saturday night, I was at a, uh, that event celebrating Dick Eastman, I'm walking around with Renata, you know, holding hands. It's really nice dinner. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm not even thinking about all the relationships in the room, but I got invaded. I had four different people. I talked to probably 12, but I had four different people that said something that just was just like the Holy Spirit just speaking to me. Just, I mean, just, they just said, hey, David. And I was just, Oof. some of them was about my kids. Some was about you, Radiant. People were like, I sell this online. I, said, Man, I just think, Oof. and you're just shaking and just, wow. I'm not trying to be dramatic. Some of it was just encouragement. I had one lady I didn't even know. And there was no, like, there was no, like, mysterious language, like, the Lord would say to she was just a really nice, really nice blonde lady, about 50 years old. She looked at Renata and she just <laughs> said, I mean, just encouragement that just lifted our hearts. And she looked at me and just, <laughs> and we were just, honestly, I, I know you're not going to be, I started crying. I was like, what? Who are you? What is this? And I just want to encourage you. Man, you don't just, man, when you show up on a Sunday, if you could just linger for a couple more minutes and just listen to the Holy Spirit and just, just look, scan the room, the little tiny lobby out there. It's it's in addition to coming in and declaring the songs of God, partaking of communion together, feasting on the word of God together, giving cheerfully, but there's a, you being a blessing. That's just Jesus. Let us be the community of faith. That looks like you. We love you today. We honor you today. We give cheerfully in Jesus name. Amen.